Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And we're back in this beautiful Sunday morning, live from Sunny Slope. Looks like the lines are pretty full, so we'll get right to the phones. We do have one available, the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Max and Mesa, good morning. Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? Excellent, sir. Thank you for asking. Good, good. Hey, we put in a couple of ficus, 24 size, and transplanted uh, some smaller citrus uh, about two weeks ago. When is a good time to start using a dry fertilizer, like a say, uh, Arizona Best type of dry uh, granular? You could put it on right now, and that, and that wouldn't be a, good, uh, be a good time. You probably want to water it in well. Now, you said you transplanted the citrus. They were already growing there in the ground? They were. We moved them so we could put the ficus in, and we put the citrus in into a little better uh, location. We were just getting too much heat there. How are they looking now? Not well. Okay, so I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give them nitrogen if they're not looking happy. What I would do is probably pick up a product called Super Thrive. Okay. And I would put that on them now. I would also take a hose and run it down beside the hole. Uh, in the edge of the hole okay. where you dug the hole for them. Water from the bottom yep. up one time, make sure you don't have any air pockets. And then I would make okay. sure that the citrus trunks are wrapped to protect them from being sunburned. And, uh, okay. yep. and I, I would yep. really lay off the fertilizer for now if you're just transplanting the citrus trees. But do wrap yep. and protect yep. them and do use the Super Thrive. You know, they've got your wrap on there, that cardboard kind mm-hmm. of wrap that, uh, uh-huh. that, plastic that you wrap. use on them. Yeah, and that's great. Exactly, yep. And uh, hit yep. it with some yep. Super Thrive, and uh, a good deep, you know, weekly watering should be adequate, no more than that. Oh, okay, great. And a long question. Uh, our landscaper cut our water basically uh, in half, uh, thanks to, uh, to cut back on the rye and left the Bermuda grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is that kind of standard practice? Or? Well, I should have cut it off completely. You know, I, I, ideally what you want to do is you want to kill rye this time of year, okay? And it's been okay. so nice. I mean, it's beautiful weather we're having. The rye's not going to know how to oh. die with any any form of dignity whatsoever. It's not going to give up. You know, it's going to linger okay. until June. So what you want to do is just shut the irrigation system off and don't mow the rye. Okay. Let it grow tall, let it okay. get stressed. And then when it looks really dry, come back and scalp it, kick the water back okay. onto your regular schedule, fertilize, and then the Bermuda grass come back. All right, great. And one simple question. Any thoughts on using a moisture sensor to get a little better handle on uh, moisture, like a hygrometer? Do you, do you guys use that or just kind of? Well, we use what's called a tensionometer sometimes in our citrus grove to me- measure our soil, you know, moisture down in different areas. Um, you know, we okay. could, you could do a lot of the same thing with a piece of T rebar that we've always used in farming and agriculture. And at home for lawns, you can do it with a screwdriver. But, you know, anything that's going to measure the moisture is fine. And whatever you're comfortable with okay. works well. But moisture meters work great. Okay, great. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks, thanks for your show. Bye-bye. Uh, Terry in Cave Creek. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Brian. Brian, I have three questions on, well, it's three different trees. On a live oak, how much water should it get? How old is it, Terry? How long has it been planted? It's uh, probably about two years. And how large in diameter is the trunk? 
Um, I'm going to say probably about four inches. Okay. So it's going to, if you want it to grow fast, it's going to use a lot of water. It's going to use up to 100 gallons a week, once a week. Okay, okay. Gallons, and, and oaks okay. Will really benefit from water. They're pretty drought tolerant. If you don't water it, you know, it probably won't die, but it's not going to grow very fast. So if you want it to grow fast, fertilize it right now and give it a big dose of water weekly. No, more often than weekly, but weekly. Okay. And then on a magnolia tree? Mm-hmm. It, it should be how much pretty water? much the same on the same size tree. And uh, hopefully okay. you have like a D.D. Blanchard, which is kind of a more of a heat-loving variety of magnolia. And uh, it'll do pretty well here. But it's going to want, similarly, about 100 gallons a week on a tree that size once a week. Okay. And uh, hibiscus? Hibiscus, uh, weekly watering if they're established, if they've been in for a year or two. And uh, as far as the water, it depends on the size of the plant. But if you have an average hibiscus, say, three foot by three foot, it's going to need about five gallons of water weekly. Oh, okay, so we're overwatering that sucker. Well, it depends on okay. your soil. If you're in real rocky soil, Cave Creek varies a lot. But uh, what's your it, soil like where you are? Yeah, well, what the, what the challenge is, the builder brought some fill in, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was clay. Okay. Because we went, we went through three red pistachio trees. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, two, because then we realize that there's a lot of clay in there. Okay. And the clay is going to hold so, water, and definitely for your red push pistachio, he also might have brought in some phytophorous soil fungus with the soil, too. I mean, that that can certainly right. happen. Um but at any rate, for most of those plants, weekly watering is going to be great. You know, the fact that you have clay in the long run can be beneficial, especially to the magnolia and the live oak. So that can be a good thing okay. for you. But uh, in the hibiscus, weekly watering should be okay, too, as long as it's well established. Okay. And then um, when should we be going to watering more than once a week? Well, probably won't have to unless it's going to be extreme temperatures, okay? The only time you need okay. to water once more than once a week is if it's over 110. Okay, over 110. Yeah, okay. I mean, if it's under Brian, 110, weekly is going to be fine. Okay, and I love your show. It's so informative. It's unbelievable. Well, it keeps me out of trouble for two hours a week here anyway. <laughs> thank you very much and you have a great weekend you too terry thank you bye-bye uh paula in phoenix good morning paula hi brian how are you doing excellent thank you for asking uh i have uh two peach trees that i planted two years ago so this will be the third summer for them mm-hmm. one of them is an alberta one of them is a red baron the red baron's doing really good if they're on the south side of my house and they do get some reflected sun and i knew It'd kind of be high maintenance until they got big enough to shade themselves. So I feel like I've taken really good care of them. I, you know, fertilize lightly like every other week, and I deep water. And uh, the at this point, the Red Baron's doing great. Okay. The Alberta has a lot of leafy and fruit at the bottom of the tree and a few branches at the top of the tree, and it's pretty bare in the middle. I'm kind of wondering what what can I do at this point to Well, now's the time it should be in its full glory. You know, everything that's happened with the weather so far this time of year should be wonderful for it. So Okay, the bottom and the top is full glory, but mm-hmm. the middle is bare. Yeah. So, I, I'm not exactly sure why that would happen, but um you know, at any rate, you know, fertilizing it every 2 weeks as long as it's moderation is great. As long as you don't put too right. much on, you know, 
Good. And where do you live? What cross streets? Uh, I live by Metro Center, just north okay. of Metro Center. And it's on the west side of the house, so it's getting full reflected heat? Uh, the south side. Okay. South um, side's not so bad because it's not getting any reflected heat. It's just getting full sun, and it should take that. And, yeah. Uh, and you say right, that well, it's, we'll set, it's set fruit pretty well, so it's probably in early Alberta. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I would just keep up doing what you're doing, but and, and you're watering it, what, weekly? Um, I have a, a bubbler that goes on twice a week, and it okay. fills the well. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, if it's really hot, I'll get my hose out and just um, just let it go real slow. Okay, and it's a pretty good size well. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like Paul, oh. you're doing everything right. I mean, I can't think of anything that would be a problem that would cause that. Yeah. Would it help to to paint? The trunk at all, or well, I always had, wrap the trunk in the summer. But if the trunk's wrapped on the base, and if you have a, a, a space in the middle of the tree where you're thinking the wood might burn, where it's that bare, it wouldn't hurt to wrap it too. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Thanks, Paula. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, Richard North Phoenix. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Brian. Can you hear me? Very clearly, sir. Thank you. Uh, Brian, um, about six eight months ago, we put in two. Petite pink oleanders, and I've heard you talk about scorch and being very cautious uh, with the tools when you trim the bushes. But I, um, uh, I would like to complement those two petite pink oleanders by putting in the middle a twenty-four uh, a inch box red oleander. Number one, do you carry those? And number two, what's the mortality rate if I? If I put that in. Well, absolutely, we carry them. They're a beautiful tree. And, um, you know, if you buy one in a nursery, you know, it's healthy. It doesn't have scorch. But, um, no, that would be a fine idea. You know, it'll, it'll work together. And the color from oleander trees is spectacular. And uh, so I, I see no problem with that at all. Okay. So um, uh, I, I just don't want to go through all the trouble and expense of putting it in and then lose it to scorch. Now, we do have oleanders in our gated community, and uh, uh, we've not heard of any issues with scorch. They all seem to be thriving. So I'm just not sure how contagious that Well, it's exceedingly really contagious. Is. Okay, A lot of time it was spread originally by pruning, so people would be out pruning these massive oleander hedges, especially 15 and 20 years ago. And uh, throughout central Phoenix and the irrigated lots and Paradise Valley, you know, some of these bigger properties had three or four or five acres of oleander hedge around them. And then once they were infected with the scorch, it was pretty much lethal. Most of those had been removed, and scorch varies by neighborhoods and areas. You'll see more of it, Central Phoenix, Central Mesa, Paradise Valley, than you will in other younger, you know, developments. And um, but as long as you're diligent and don't prune it, you know, or if somebody is going to come prune it for you, just sterilize their equipment first. You can do that with bleach, you know, and just spray bleach on all their saws and sterilize the equipment, and, and then you won't spread it yourself. If you're in a neighborhood where it exists, it can be spread by glassy wind sharpshooters, which are a native insect here that just suck on the sap from tree to tree and can spread it. So there is a vector here for it. But if you're in a neighborhood that's pretty free, you know, you might not have any problems. Okay. Okay, so it's worth taking a chance. I, I think so. I mean, we still grow red oleander trees, and I wouldn't hesitate to put one in my yard. They're a pretty tree. And uh, they do hang on to their uh, blooms, don't they? Oh, well, the oleanders here will bloom, you know, six months a year pretty consistently. Right. 
And do you have those in stock? We absolutely do. Great. Thanks very much. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Megan. And after that, if you'd like to be up, all you have to do is give Shira a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277-KTR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, or if you're doing something different, growing something fun, or have a cure for us, give us a call, 602-277-5827 for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM. KTAR. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old time movie about a ghost from a wishing well in a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet. You know that ghost is me. Wonderful music, you know. It's uh, a talent like him doesn't come along very often, and uh, you know, wonderful music, and we have a lot to enjoy for the rest of our lives. Back to the phones, Megan and Phoenix. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, I have quite a few um, fruit trees, uh, stone fruit, um, all that have been planted. With, you know, ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're all fruiting, um, but for some reason, our nectarine just keeps making hard balls. Um, that they don't really get bigger than maybe an inch. Well, inch recommend, and a half. I, I, have, I have one recommendation for your nectarine. Yeah, cut it down. Murder, yes, <laughs> murder, murder. Yeah. Like in the cat in the hat, murder. The problem is, nectarine, they really get affected here a lot by thrip. And while you can grow beautiful peaches of a dozen varieties and all kinds of plums, uh, nectarines really do have a problem here maturing in the valley. And uh, of, of okay. all the stone fruits, it's going to be the one that has the most problem. And it's to do really with our climate and the thrip insects that we have. Okay. Is there any, I mean, it's a pretty tree. So is there any problem with keeping it alive? Absolutely or it not. If you want to just it let out? it grow up as a shade tree, it can make a beautiful tree here. And it'll do just Perfect. fine. Just the fruit quality won't be good. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Megan. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Bob and Cave Creek. Hello, Bob. Good morning. Morning. 
just a couple questions, and I apologize. I'm sure they're redundant, but you're kind of like Turk. I don't get <laughs> hey, to you Bob, as often as I should. Bob, if every question I hear I only answered once, I wouldn't have anything to do. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have a job. <laughs> hey, mean, uh, we, we appreciate the novel questions and the novel thoughts and ideas, but uh, repetitiveness is the nature when it comes to gardening. Number one, um, is there a mineral that I can put on you know, around the base of the trees to, like, break up the soil? Like, we have water from Cave Creek, and it's always a little suspicious to me. <laughs> and I don't know. Uh, gypsum will help a lot, Bob. You can use gypsum. gypsum around everything, and what? Yeah, it does help break up the salts and uh, helps the soil breathe better and drain better. So it's it's a good product to use. Love it. Um, <clears throat> as far as like spraying my trees, we're going to be going north pretty soon. So uh, malathion, just a dose on the trees. Why do you want to uh, spray but, your trees, Bob? Oh, I guess I remember when I grew up in Ohio, those aphids and different things like that would be eating on the leaves. If you don't think it's necessary, I'll pass. You know what kills aphids? It's mm. absolutely 100 degree temperature. So, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, wonderful. See, those, those aphids don't have much of a future if you have any left. And the thrip, you really can't kill. The thrip cycle and uh, Mother Nature will be a better job left alone between ladybugs and thrips and other things. I mean, and uh, the um, lace wings because uh, their population will come right back. And malathion is a great thing on a vegetable garden if you want to kill aphids in the spring. It's pretty safe to use and it's a good chemical. But uh, there's no reason to spray a tree here. You know, unless you have a present pest. And if you do have a present pest, you want to know what it is and why you're spraying. And if you're talking about mainly citrus, there's no reason to spray them this time of year at all. Okay, great. And lastly, and I'm going to go back to Cave Creek Water. Things are getting expensive, um, and but the most precious thing we have are the trees. So I'm wondering, is a weekly addressing of water sufficient or do I need to double up during the summer months? No, weekly, but a nice, good, deep irrigation is ideal. You know, and, and right, it's, Brian, it's, you're, the, you're the best and you do a great service for us all. Well, I'm learning too. <laughs> hey, Bob, have a nice weekend. <laughs> and, and So where are you headed when you're, when you're leaving Cave Creek? Montana, where because of Kevin Costner and COVID, everybody has moved to. <laughs> I so thought fun. maybe you were going to be up there like Frank Zappa and grow you a crop of dental floss. <laughs> oh yeah you're dating yourself buddy <laughs> bob take care bye bye-bye uh let's see uh dave and tempe good morning dave good morning how you doing great sir good so i have got a common bermuda lawn and it's after a couple of years of diligent weed control it's thickening up and doing really well the challenge i'm having is i have Two very healthy and growing quickly Chinese elms on the north, uh, east and west side, so I've got a swath of shade running down the middle. The Bermuda struggles a bit. Uh-huh. So I've read, and I went ahead last year, and I put down a little bit of zoysia seed uh-huh. in that shaded area. And the challenge is I did it a little late in the season, so... It really struggled to, to germinate in the 110. It came up, and then it just kind of turned turned brown and died. So okay. tried it again this year, and I put it down about four or five weeks ago when the soil temperatures were, you know, 50 and above. And it's been, how long has that been? I'd say since the first seeding, it's, it's probably been five weeks. Um, 
my understanding is zoysia seed takes a, a bit longer than common Bermuda to germinate, so I'm I'm keeping it damp throughout the day. I just haven't seen anything yet, and I'm wondering. Dave, I've never a, seen I, uh, between you and I. I've never yeah. seen a successful zoysia lawn here. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if someone's listening and has got an example for us to look at, I'd love to see one. But uh, typically here, what happens in our irrigated lawns, okay, where we have a lot of big trees with flood irrigations in Tempe and Mesa and Phoenix, is we end up with a combination of dichondra, and you might even have some St. Augustine and have some Bermuda grass. And the shadier areas are oftentimes taken over by dichondra or St. Augustine because the Bermuda grass doesn't thrive and, and they're outcompeted. Um, but as far as Zoysa working in there do you plan on winter lawn or not dave well i did last year but the challenge is i used a a seed that was not a high quality and it brought in a bunch of weeds so no no more okay no more i'm gonna let it go dormant all right so you know realistically under those trees if you want something that's going to be there you can seed dichondra this time of year or you could plug in some saint augustine but i've never seen the successful zoysia um if somebody has has some at home and they want to call us and tell us about it i'd love to hear about it but i've never seen it perfect well, I appreciate you giving consideration. I'll keep listening in case somebody does call in. Yeah. Hey, you know, we're all ears and I'm here to learn, but I haven't seen it. All right. Pre- Thanks. Appreciate Dave. it very much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, Veronica and Sunrise. Hello, Veronica. Oh, surprise. Hi there. Thanks for taking my <laughs> surprise. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I had the most incredible bloom on my roses this uh, spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, just unbelievable. The best they've ever been. But I'd like to keep them going like that. It seems like every year they make this big bloom, and then I can't keep them blooming. You know, I, I, cut, I cut off the dead ones, uh, and I, I try and keep it, you know, coming up and blooming like it did the first time. And I don't know what to do. How do I keep pruning it throughout the, the spring and summer to keep the blooms coming up like that? Well, you go up to where I was mentioning, up by sunrise, see, and you plant you some roses up there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's funny because the way your, 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 uh, the, the town came out, it was blocked off. But anyway, um, no, you're not going to get the bloom quality here in the summertime that we get in the spring and the fall. Now, you can bring them back into, you know, splendor, you know, by October by pruning them, you know, in September. And you could do some deadheading and thinning. Are these hybrid tea roses, Veronica? Like the long no. stem cutting roses in floor, for their floribundas? No, they're just the basic uh, rose bushes. Okay. Well, hybrid teas are the ones that have single individual roses. Floribundas have clusters of flowers. Oftentimes, yes, that's what they are. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the floribundas will, will bloom pretty well. Just keep the fertilizer up, and you can prune those like a hedge for the summertime. So if you want to go oh, through okay. and just kind of... Yeah, keep the fertilizer up. Feed them once a month, okay? Uh, you might not, okay. you might skip it at the end of June because it's going to be awfully hot, but fertilizing them again now would be fantastic. And you could even catch okay. them once more the end of May, you know, the very first part of June. Okay. Skip the end of okay. June until we get a monsoon going. And then if a monsoon starts pretty well somewhere in July, you can feed them again then. And and they're going to look better. I mean, the, the floribundas will bloom better through the summertime than the others do. And uh, nothing's mm-hmm. as magnificent as our weather we've had this winter and this spring mm-hmm. and also the fall mm-hmm. is much the same way. so uh at any rate you know you're going to keep some blooms on them they'll be reasonably attractive but they're not going to look like spring and fall in the middle of summer okay and uh lastly on the deadheads when do i when do i trim those when they're completely all the 
all the petals are off of there? Well, or, if you're going to do a major pruning dry. on roses, even on the floribundas, the best time to do that's in January. Okay. Okay, yeah, I, uh, okay, okay. But, I mean, the deadheads, as they die off the bush, you know. Well, you, you, know, you, you can take on a Florabunda, you can come back and just cut them off with shears. I mean, you, you can cut the whole yeah. plant back moderately. And if you're finishing okay. the bloom cycle right now, if you do that right now, you'll have a really nice group of blooms again, you know, by the holiday here. Oh, okay, great. You know, by Memorial Day, you well, can have a really nice much. set of nice bloom on them again. And uh, you want to, like say, great. you want to cut them back pretty hard in September, and that way they'll be good for okay. the whole fall season. Awesome. Will do. Thank you so much. Thanks, Veronica. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. And we're going to say, oh, no, it's Mr. Troy Barrett. He snuck in the studio on us. This guy, he's quicker than a rabbit. You know, looks like Peter Cottontail back there, just bouncing around. Shira and I will be on the phones while he's on the news. The number to call Shira, 602-277-5827. It's Shira, Troy, and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. You see a deer, you see Bambi, and I see antlers up on the wall. When you see a lake, you think picnics, and I see a large mouth up under that log. You're probably thinking that you're gonna change me in some ways, well, maybe you might scrub me down, dress me up all but no. mistakes. Welcome back, folks. We do have one line available, number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Uh, Rowan in Queen Creek, good morning, Rowan. Good morning. How are you today? Oh, enjoying the beautiful day, sir. Yes, it is. I've got two guava trees that I can't seem to get much height out of them. The branch, it grows good. I've already got like eight inches of new growth this spring, but the branches go out and just droop way down. 
Are these bushes rather than trees? Absolutely. That's what guavas are, Rowan. And, you know, they're, they're naturally a bush here. And, and actually being a bush here is to their advantage because it protects the wood from the sun. So if you can let them be, you know, somewhat bushy, you can trim the sides up and get some more strength and grow them up taller. But um, because of their frost tender nature and, uh, and because they don't really like the direct intense sun on the wood, you know, letting them grow in a bush fashion is much healthier for them. Okay, I'll stop doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I like that other song, you know, let it be, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll do that. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Roland. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Uh, Dan and Gilbert, good morning, Dan. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Oh, enjoying this beautiful morning. Just looking at sunny slope awesome. mountains out here. Got a uh, got a couple different subjects here. One is a garden veggie. One is a tree transplant. So we bought a we transplanted a six pack of cabbage a long time ago, and it grew nice and healthy all you know sort of late winter into spring here. But five of the six plants are all growing stalks to grow flowers and only one of the six is actually looks like it's got a head of cabbage growing in it. Were we supposed to be pollinating it ourselves or no, what, Dan, what you why need, did we what only you need, end up with one out of you six? Need, you need to plant them earlier in the year, Dan. The best time to plant cabbage here is really in the fall and you can start off planting it, you know, somewhere in September and, uh, you know, plant cabbage, you know, pretty much through December and then that's the okay. end of the season, you know, and, and what happens, oh. they bolt and they'll go to flower and that's this nature saying, hey, the days are getting longer and it's time to party. Okay, so yeah, I think we put them in and and when did we do that? January or something? So just plant um, plant a little earlier, and you'll have better luck. Okay. So now the next subject is we bought a pomegranate tree. I think we when we bought it. I think we got it in a. I want to say maybe a ten or fifteen gallon bucket, okay. and I built a thirty by thirty uh, by twenty four to. 28 uh, box and the plan original plan was because we were thinking about moving in the next two to three years was to put it in this big box and then take it to the next house and then transplant it um, things have changed we're probably going to be in this house longer so now we want to put it in the ground here mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering when the best time of year to transplant this guy. It's already started growing some fruit and it's got some blooms on it still. I don't want to ruin an effect. No, if you have it at home already, Dan, plant it now. I mean, pomegranates are pretty tough and they really don't mind the heat as long as they have deep irrigation. And so if you want to plant it this time of year and give it some good old clay out in Gilbert, that nice heavy soil, uh, it'll thrive and, and really do well for you. It'll grow, you know. Well, much faster in the ground. So plant it now. Okay. All right. That's Oh, and then protecting the fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's relatively small and young, we actually, in the three years we've had it, we've actually never had a, uh, a pomegranate, you know, to fruition. So um, the birds keep getting them or they fall off naturally. So, um, so Dan, what you want to do is you want to bag them in the fall, like in August. Okay. And you'll have to protect okay. it from the birds. And you'll find the tree is going to grow, you know, magnificently, a big change in life when it goes in the ground. Uh, the one thing oh, okay. with pomegranates is kind of critical. Make sure you keep your water very consistent, especially in June when it's really hot and dry here. And that's so they don't crack. So they don't split. Exactly. 
exactly. And yeah, so, okay. so keep that up. And you can fertilize it lightly, like once a month. I wouldn't fertilize at the end of June, but the rest of the summer is all great. And uh, bag them the end of August. Um, you can use a paper bag with a rubber band, or you can buy little mesh bags probably on the Internet that you could put over each fruit. It keeps the insects and the birds away. Right. Okay. Thank awesome. you, Dan. Thanks. Have, Bye-bye. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got Digger in Winslow. Hello, Digger. Hey, good morning, Brian. Boy, listen to your show again, man. I love it. I, my most pressing question is, um, do you know where I can get a pygmy pony? A pygmy pony? No, I don't. And uh, <laughs> I think I could have one here on my third acre. Well, you have hey, to f- th- find some of your Navajo friends up there. I mean, you're, there, there's a lot of them raise all kinds of livestock, but I haven't seen many. I'll tell you where you might find one is you might go down and look around Snowflake because there's a lot of oh. people that raise them for pets. And you might find oh. one in the Snowflake area. Oh, nice! Yeah, that way I could start growing my dental floss. <laughs> I gotta have my I gotta have my pygmy pony. So, yeah, I'm calling about your snowflake uh, yard. I think um, is would you have a Arizona sycamore down there? No, we don't uh, really do any sales out of our Taylor yard at all. So our Taylor yard, oh, okay. we use it primarily just as a growing grounds to grow plants that we uh, that we ship here to the valley. They, they take advantage of the cooler weather at higher altitude up there for the summer, and we have beautiful geraniums that we land here in the valley in October. Oh, okay. So you probably don't grow, even grow any sycamores up there. No, and, and they, um, yeah. They wouldn't sycamore. really do it. Well, you know what? It was, I, I think that up there you might be able to grow an Arizona sycamore and, and do fairly well. Down here in the valley, we have to use a California sycamore because the Arizonas don't take the heat. But you're right there on the borderline, you know, altitude-wise in Winslow yep. or in, in, in Taylor. We're a little bit high for sycamores. And, uh, you know, most years they do fine, but if we get that one, you know, uncharacteristically cold freeze down in the, you know, the double digits below zero, uh, that's when they would have a problem. Sure, sure. Yeah, with that live oak I called about, it's, it's declining even farther, so I'm going to rip it out and um, probably replace it with a, a sycamore if I can find one. I well, uh, yeah, you can get sycamores, um, but, you know, you're a little high, too. I mean, you're over 5,000 feet there, aren't you, in Winslow? 49. Well, right at five. Um, so you're, border, right. you're borderline. Yeah. So it would be a good time of year to plant one there if you could find one. Um, and you really want Arizona. We grow mostly Californias because we grow them here for the lower desert. Um, but right. you could probably find one in Star Valley at the nursery there. So if you come that way to town, uh, stop in there and check and see if they have them at the nursery. I bet there's a good oh, chance they will. Mm-hmm. Right oh, there by awesome. Payson. Yeah. Right, right. And I'm looking for a shaggy bark. Um, uh, juniper, juniper. They'll have those at the nurseries in Sholo. Okay. Okay. I've got, I've got alligator in. They're doing great. My mm-hmm. uh, manzanita are doing great. My penstemons. I'm going to finally get some blooms after a couple of years. Um, I kind of started them on water, but, man, it's desert willows are waking up. Even my vitex is coming back. Well, uh, have fun. You know what you might try up there, too, is a chitalpa tree. And it's a cross between a catalpa and a desert willow. And it's a beautiful tree for that elevation. And it's pretty funny. It's two American trees that were crossed and made by the Russians. And uh, they're the ones that came up with the hybridization you know, variety originally. But that would be an excellent flowering tree for you there in Winslow that would bloom all summer. Oh, it sure would. Yeah, um, 
my neighbor in Albuquerque had a huge one. And, yeah, very beautiful. Well, Digger, thanks for the call. We're going to have to take a break, but I appreciate you. Well, appreciate you, dude. Have a blessed one. Uh, Carrie and Florence, you'll be up next. Then Larry, Lisa, and Rita. And if you'd like to be after Rita, all you have to do is give Sheer a call. 602-277-5827. Here for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. A farmer and a teacher. A hooker and a preacher. Riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico. One was headed for vacation, one for higher education, and two of them were searching for lost souls. That driver never ever saw the stop sign, and 18 wheelers can't stop on a dime. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows. I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. That farmer left to harvest. A home in 80 acres The faith and love for growing things In his young son's heart And that teacher left her wisdom In the minds of lots of children And did her best to give them all a better start And that preacher whispered Can't you see the promised land? His bloodstained Bible in that hooker's hand There are three wooden crosses On the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them Heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that's the story that our preacher told last Sunday As he held that blood-stained Bible up For all of us to see He said, bless the farmer And the teacher And the preacher Who gave this Bible to my mama Who read it to me There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway why there's not four of them now i guess we know it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you it's what you leave behind you when you go Planting the tree while you never enjoy the shade.
It is what we leave behind us. But uh, if you'd like to leave a legacy behind you, come out and see us at Whitfields. You know, we grow trees, all kinds, big trees, little trees, ones that will live for a long time, some that only live 10 or 15 years. But if you're looking for something beautiful for your home, come out and see us. We've been growing trees here in the Valley since my grandparents started back in the 40s, continue today for four generations, from citrus trees to desert trees to palms. Uh, We grow them all right here in Arizona. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue in the East Valley at Cooper which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And if you're looking for some bigger trees during the week and you happen to be down around the Casa Grande or Maricopa area, you can go by our big farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of the Interstate 8. Now, there were only open Monday through Saturdays from 7 to 3. The rest of the valley were open uh, Monday through Saturdays, 8 to 5.30. Sundays, 10 to 4. Whitfield Nursery, growing trees, planting trees, licensed bonded and insured here in the valley now for four generations carrie and florence good morning good morning brian i have two quick questions i have um two gardenia bushes that i planted last year they're on the north side of the house south side of the wall in a raised bed they're the one is blooming a whole lot but the leaves are um kind of yellow and the other one is doesn't have very many leaves at all and only like two flowers and am i watering wrong um well carrie they're they're probably (laughs) just regular gardenia beach eyes little ever blooming gardenias yes okay so what they need is they need a little bit more acidic soil are you a, a coffee drinker Yes, I am. Okay, so your coffee grinds, you're not going to overdo it. You can just throw those on those gardenias on a regular basis, and uh, that's going to drop the pH of the soil. It's also good to fertilize them. Um, You could use a product called Miracid. It's like miracle Grow, but it comes in the blue and silver box. That would be really good. Or if you're adding the coffee grounds, if you just use a little super bloom, they'll really enjoy that as well. Oh, fantastic. Okay, and my next question is, I have an indoor ficus. It's about six or seven feet tall. I think it's in like a 20-gallon pot. It's always been really bright and green and full, and now it's starting to look like sparse and spindly. Which, do I need to repot that? or It's Carrie, been in the same pot for probably five years. Do you feed it at all, Carrie? <laughs> Yes, I do. Um, I think it's a three, two, one, or something like that. You might that. just it's, try picking up some Osmocote, which is a pretty common fertilizer you should be able to find in any nursery or garden center. But it's a slow release, and it works really well indoors. And you could put it on once every six weeks or so, and uh, okay. it'll give it a little constant fertilizer. You know, when those are potted like that, they're almost like a bonsai at a certain point. So they do run all the nour- nourishment out of the soil on a regular basis, and a slow release like the Osmocote will give it a constant source of fertilizer you know if you wanted to transplant it into a larger pot and put it in a patio it'll grow into a monster but because you want to keep it in captivity um just i would you know give it a regular better fertilizer and i'd go to the osmocote okay perfect thank you so much thank you bye-bye hey carrie you can throw a little coffee grounds on that ficus too it'll love them oh okay perfect thank you thanks bye-bye uh rita and gilbert good morning rita Good morning. Um, Brian, I'd like to um, plant a red push pistache in my backyard in Mm -hmm. front of my house. It's on the south side of our house. Okay. And I just measured how wide our house is. It's 16 feet wide. Mm -hmm. And 
from the house to the artificial turf, it's nine feet. Would I buy one pistache? One tree is going to be plenty, okay? And it's going to grow into a much bigger canopy than that. It'll grow out over the top of the artificial turf. But it's pretty much the ideal tree to use in an area like that because the leaves are only going to drop one week a year and it'll be pretty clean. Mm -hmm. So it'll be easy to keep clean over the artificial turf. It'll It'll shade the turf, make your yard much cooler, and one is plenty. That's great. And should I put it sort of in the middle or does it? Well, you want to give it room so it's not growing up into the house, okay? So you want to put it, you know, further away from the house. But growing out over the turf, it'll be magnificent. Good. Okay, then I'll I'll plant it a little bit closer to the turf than to the windows. That would be the ideal place. Okay, sounds great to me. Well, come and see us over in Gilbert, Rita. we got a real friendly staff over there. I know you do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh, Larry in Phoenix. Good morning, Larry. Hi. Uh, there was a church in Phoenix that had a real nice oasis section, four trees, a couple of them ficus. Then the tree ter- trimmer came in. He took down one tree completely, which I can't argue with. But a number of people upset that he trimmed back the ficus. Uh, well, Larry, it's, it's not a bad time to trim back his spica severely if you did it a month or two ago. I'm going to put you on hold mm-hmm. and give you more information off the air. I'll take uh, Tom and Tom off the air as well. Appreciate the calls today, folks. Hope you enjoyed the program. And uh, most importantly, let's go out and enjoy each other. And, um, you know, it is what we uh, leave behind us when we go. You know, you never see a, <laughs> a hearse hauling a trailer full of gold. So let's leave a better world than what we came to and uh, and love for our fellow man and and respect for everyone you know we've got a lot of people here with all different kinds of religions all different kinds of ideas and beliefs and that's what makes america great the fact that we can discuss things and you know we can never find somebody we can't find one point to agree upon appreciate all your calls today hope you enjoy the program come out and see us at the nursery it's a great time to plant trees and would love to do the digging for you whitfield nursery here for four generations growing trees here for for you and for us and for all of us to leave something better when we go